Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. Show notes? You got it. Last week, we just finished up our wonderful medium events on April 27th, but we do have two more events this year coming up on August 24th and December 14th. Tickets are still on sale on the website at buysarlo.com. Private sessions. Both Kelly and I offer private sessions for people by Skype, FaceTime, telephone, all over the world. You can purchase it with Visa, MasterCard, American Express, eTransfer, PayPal, There are a variety of ways that you have access to purchasing a session and conducting one for yourself or for someone else. And everything that you just mentioned, Karen, goes for gift cards as well. Purchased anywhere in the world can be experienced from anywhere in the world. Sips of Sanity is a second podcast series that Kelly and I do. It's available on the website by sarlo.com. And those are 10 minute quick little shows at the beginning of each month, Monday to Friday, first week of the month. And they're just loaded with tools for emotional intelligence, intuitive intelligence, just tools for life. Perfect. Okay, we're going to start into today's show. Today is all about medium, and you're listening to two mediums. So if you've been following the show all along, you know Kelly and I are both mediums. We're both mom and daughter. If you're joining us for the very first time, it's important for you to hear that you're listening to two mediums talking about speaking to people who've crossed over. I'm going to start or I'm going to explain a little bit that how I organized today's show was to sit down and listen to the spirit world and ask them what they would like people to know or to understand. And they said explain it in little short stories where people can hear something that another person went through and apply it to their own life if it's something that could work for them. First story is Jose. Jose is a 16 year old who lost her mom. And if anybody can think about being 16 years old and losing your mom at that time of your life, how very difficult that is. I know it can be difficult at any time. But she called in just to see if I could connect to her mom, what could come through for her. She didn't give me any direction during the session. One of the things that her mom said to me to tell her was that she loved to sit in the car with Jose. She loved to drive around and that she had this little almost reminded me of an old little Vega, like a little small car. I, I don't know what they're called now. Silver on the outside, I think with gray on the inside. And she would sit with her daughter in the car and sing. And she said to me, oh, I love sitting in the car with my daughter and singing. And tell her, thank you for the dedications. And I said, what do you mean the dedications? And she goes, oh, she dedicates songs to me. And I said, oh, that is so cool. She goes, well, she'll be singing in the car and every once in a while, a particular song will come on that just hits Jose that she really likes or reminds her of me. And she'll go, this one's for you, mama. (laughs) And she'll just belt out the song. And she goes, tell her, thank you for the dedications. She goes, I want her to know that I know she actually dedicates songs to me. And that then she sings me the song like it's a love song like to me or sometimes it's a pumping song like I'm I'm really getting into it with my mom because maybe she's just going through something different. And you know how we listen to the radio or we listen to music and we pull on different things so we can feel something. Jose's mom knows that Jose is using those musical pieces to pull out emotions so she can still feel connected to her. Mm hmm. And she's hearing that. So I said, hey, 
Jose. And I relayed the entire message to her. And she listened and she said to me, oh my goodness, Karen. She said, I do dedicate songs to my mom. That's exactly what I do in the car. Do you mean that she knows? Do you mean that she hears me? Like, I am explaining all of that to her. Yeah, and she still has to ask. Yeah, and I, it's, it's important that you point that out, Kelly. Because as mediums, we know that clients do this every day. We say and give the affirmation and the proof. And then people go ahead and ask us if it is. Yeah, and I feel baffled sometimes that you and I can go through our consent process and explain that the gifts allow us to remote view them in the car, that the gifts allow us to see them in locations that we're not currently in, and somehow their brain can accept that we can do that. But even though we give the message that their mom sees them from the other side, they still have to ask a follow-up question of, well, does that mean that she was in the car with me? Right. They can wrap their head around that us humans were able to do it, but that their mother on the other side wasn't. Right. And I think that's funny in a way that they can give us more credit than the other side. Mm-hmm. I get it. That is cool. That breaks <laughs> it down really nicely, actually. Yeah, and, and I do. I make an mm-hmm. effort to say to them, I'm not cooler than the other side I'm like we are not better than or more more equipped to hear or do anything for you more than the other side is that is such a beautiful thing to say Mm -hmm. because even even when those types of messages come through and she says thanks for the dedications they can ask questions of well can you tell her I love her and and then I say to them are you not hearing that you don't need me for your mom to hear you You might need me to hear her speak, but she sure as shit doesn't need me to communicate a message from you. Yeah. You've you've illustrated it and explained it really well so that people can understand our level of confusion sometimes with a client. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to be on the same page as them when we're not in the same mindsets. To me, that's like two people in two different realities or two different mindsets trying Mm -hmm. to communicate. And I always say to people, this is a triangle. These are relationships between you and I, you and the client. The client and practitioner. Yes. The practitioner and the other side. And the other side with their loved ones. Exactly. Thank you. That's perfect. Perfectly done. And they don't always understand that that's actually a relationship. Remember I've said before, we don't just pump out information. It's, it's not accessing a switchboard or, or, I don't know, some computer system that just pumps out the information. It's actual relationships. It's actually having to connect. Inclu- and you and I in a big way, because we have to connect to two. The second message Jose's mom gave me to give her was, can you please thank my daughter for all of the efforts that she makes consistently to still love me? to still try to reach me, to still give to me. Sometimes she misses out on receiving back. And could you remind her that the relationship is to receive back for me, please? And I said, yeah, I would love to do that. So I pointed that out to Jose, that it was a relationship between her and her mom, and that it had changed. It didn't end, it had changed. And some people, when we're grieving, we think the relationship comes to an end with death. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, it's not an ending. 
Well, it is an ending of sorts, but it's not a final ending. It's a changing of processes. It's a changing of who we are. We might have to use our own intuitive gifts more. We might have to somehow find our own ways to connect. Jose found music. That was one. She had found other ways, though. And her mom was trying to say, hey, are you listening back? When you listen in the car or when you sing in the car, do you listen for my voice or do you just listen for the radio? Hmm. Do you see that I dropped the dimes? Do you see, are you grateful for these things? Yeah, I want to do an example with the radio and it's a little bit different because you're still alive, obviously, but I will turn the radio on when I get in the car and our song will be playing and I don't always think, oh, this one's for you, mom. I think, oh, fuck, thanks for sending that to me, mom. I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know in those moments that you're thinking of me. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of a good way to illustrate the back and forth? Yes. That she's not always the one dedicating. Yes. That she could be the one that's lovely, lovely surprised. Yes. That when she turns the radio on in the car and all of a sudden her song pops on, I know I'm repeating you, when her song pops on or it reminds her of her mom, that her mom is the one that sent that and aligned timing for her. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with right timing. Maybe she doesn't always get in the car and turn the radio on, but this time she has an impulse to do it. Or there is no impulse. She doesn't realize it. And she just turned it on without recognizing that it was that it was there. Okay, so back to the point that her mom is saying it's a relationship. That she's trying to say, thank you for the affirmations. And that it's two way street. Mm-hmm. That's my first story. So the first one today is about the affirmations. So one of the reasons why people come to see us as mediums is for that purpose. Am I connected? Are they around me? Do they know? Our next story is about Max. And Max, I think, lost his wife. Yes, it's his wife. And she came through in a session. He was by FaceTime. And she came through to give permission. He didn't ask. (laughs) He didn't even want it. But she gave permission for him to be able to move on in his life. This was two weeks ago mm-hmm. and the show was called the bar for love mm-hmm. and I would highly recommend going back and listening to that so Bev came through to be able to say to a partner a spouse that she loved him dearly she still loves him dearly but that she knows it's okay for him to move on whether it's to play scrabble with another person or another woman whether it's to fall in love again whether it's to sell the house and move on it doesn't matter Her point was, I love you, and that means moving on. It doesn't mean I love you, and in spite of it, move on. It means because of it, move on. There's a beautiful book that we give to newborn babies every every time one of our loved ones has a child, and I believe it's called My Love Will Find You Wherever You Are. And it's essentially what you're talking about, that no matter what you go through in life, no matter where you end up, my love will find you. Mm -hmm. And I think of Bev and Max in this story, not as a threat, of course, but that he can, he can move on to whatever he needs to. He can experience and enjoy life in whatever way he needs to in his freedom and that her love will always sit there. Yeah. Wonderfully for him. 
as you said, no matter what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the f- my favorite things to do is to channel for people the affirmations of their new house, their new car, their new experiences in life that those loved ones haven't been a part of so they can really verify, well, they would never have known that those things weren't around when they were here. Mm-hmm. And you get to see how ever-present they are. Yeah, and that, I like, remember Kelly, we always go back to the story of my mom when I had Andrew saying to me when I panicked and said, how am I going to love two kids? I love Kelly so much. How am I going to love another baby? And her response was, Karen, I have nine children. You don't divide your love. It multiplies. Mm-hmm. And so I say the very same thing when spouses cannot understand that they could possibly love another spouse as mm-hmm. much as they love the one who crossed over. And I sit back and I think, no, no, that is similar to a parent loving many children or a person loving many careers. And you know what? In an unconventional way, as much as a lot of people won't want to hear this, I think people who have fallen in love with two people at the same time can understand how painstakingly difficult this is and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it shows us the possibilities of love not having to be finite and divided. And some people, Kelly, will argue on that spot yeah, and, and turn want to turn this show off and go, no, my husband doesn't have the right to fall in love with two women. No, I don't swallow that. They want to sit in a very fixed mindset and say, I will not allow myself to believe that. It's different. Mm-hmm. It's different. I can love my all my kids. But a partner or a human cannot love more than one person. More than one partner. Yeah, one partner. Because yeah. we, we wouldn't question it about children. We don't question it about pets. Mm-hmm. Some of us don't question it about friends. Yeah, I siblings, won't. and on and on, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like this because I hope what it's doing is it's going to challenge some people about what they think and what they believe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'll be forthright and say, I hope that doesn't happen to my partner. Mm -hmm. And I hope I'm never in that position. I'm just saying that the heart is not finite, that we don't have control over those things. Absolutely. It's also not something I would wish upon someone. Mm -hmm. But it's love is an existence. And I think when someone has crossed over and they're trying to come through to say to a spouse, I give you permission to move on, it means I respect that you are on earth. Mm -hmm. I respect that you still have time here, that you have a heart. And needs. uh A desire for companionship, a desire for friendship, a desire for intimacy, because that is part of our human experience for many not for everybody, but if you're listening to it and it could be for you, then you're hearing that spouses can come through and say, or partners, it doesn't have to be a spouse, can come through and say, I still love you. I don't stop loving you because you marry another person. Mm -hmm. I still love you. That's important to hear. Mm -hmm. Okay. Our third story has to do with a woman named Georgina. She came through for a different purpose. She came to see me because she wanted to know the truth. She wanted to ask her dad who'd crossed over the truth. And I said, well, hold up. I get two dads. (laughs) And she goes, oh, you caught me. And I said, I see a priest. And I said, for some reason, he's standing here saying he's the dad. And she goes, "Mm -hmm, go on. What else are you going to tell me? And I said, he says he's your biological father. 
but there's another man standing beside him who says he's really your father. He refers to himself as your love father. Mm. And I said, ah, is that true? And she said, yeah. She said, and I'm glad that I didn't say anything to you about who I wanted when I walked in the room because I really wanted to know the truth. You're just telling me the truth right now. It's something I've suspected and an aunt told me. She told me one day out of anger that my father wasn't my father, that the priest was. Mm. She was angry. What an awful thing to do to someone. Yeah. And so she took that and said, okay, so I need to go find a medium and find out if the man who raised me my whole life, right since birth, is actually my biological dad. She goes, but I want you to know something, Karen. It doesn't matter. He loved me. She goes, I know that the man who raised me is my dad. But she says, it's still important as I age to know that another man is my biological father. Mm -hmm. Because I want to know my biology. Is there diabetes in my family? Is there cancer? I want to know the medical history. I'm not concerned about his decisions. I'm not concerned about his ethics. I, I lived my life. I'm okay. Whatever he went through in having sex with my mother is his stuff and my mom's, not mine. But I have a right to the biology. And I really, I really like that. So she asked him questions. And I said, well, let's ask him about his biology. He says he passed of cancer. So she wanted to know that. Where? I want to know what organ. I want to know so that I can pay attention and make sure that I tell my doctor that. I want to know because when I go for insurance, they're going to ask me and I want to be able to say the truth, not give them what I think my biological dad's history was for medical, because that's what she had been doing. Mm -hmm. I'm giving the insurance company my father, father's medical, and none of it's true. And they both, the both parents knew it, but mm. they wouldn't tell her because they didn't want her to know the truth. So she's giving the insurance company misinformation, not knowingly. And now she can change that. So the third story was about information. And I picked medical because it was really crucial to know that for her own peace of mind, for her and for her doctors to help her yeah, properly. Her own self-care. Yeah. So we deny somebody their own self-care. Imagine doing that. I want to point out to you that when you said the third story is about information, that it's on a factual level and not an emotional level of information. Like she said, I'm not interested in their decisions. I've lived my life. Some, some people get very hung up on why. And that's fine. I'm a why person and a how person. But in that situation, what was the bottom line? Mm -hmm. And what am I going to do with it? Mm -hmm. How am I going to be proactive? How am I going to be constructive? Do I need to call the insurance company? How do does it affect the way I love? Yeah. And in this case, it doesn't. By choice. Mm -hmm. Isn't that inc that's just like an incredible one, eh? By choice. Like to me, that's a shit ton of power in a good way. Okay. Our fourth, fourth story today. I'm trying to move through many. I've got so many to go through. The fourth story has to do with a client who is a young man, actually, and he crossed over. He died in um, a fire. This is a difficult story, so I'm not going to go into it too much because I'm certain it could upset a lot of people. He died in a vehicle crash where he burnt to death. And 
his family has been tortured with the thought that he still burns, Mm -hmm. that he's still in anguish. And he came through simply to say, you have to stop that. And I thought, what the hell is he doing? He's being mean to them. And he said, no, I'm not being mean. I'm trying to give them relief. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize when he first said the sentence, as soon as his family sat down, I heard, tell them to stop that. (laughs) And I thought, oh, okay. Holy crap. This is the first sentence out. Like, how do I even just sit down and say to a group of people, stop that? Well, that might be the thing that lets them breathe for the rest of the session. Yeah. So that's how it began. I kind of stood up and gave them all a load of shit and said, he wants you to say, to hear, stop it. Mm -hmm. Every single one of you stop it because each in your own way, at some point in a day, you agonize that I'm burning alive. Stop it. This reminds me of people who have lost infants or children where they still ruminate over the idea, not the fact, but the idea that their loved one is lost the way we would picture a child in a department store Mm -hmm. and that they're alone and helpless and not that they have aged, not that they are cared for, not that they're surrounded, but that they're a lost child. Mm -hmm. And that would be the same message as stop it. Yeah. So he, he, he wanted to come through and put an end to, as you said, agonizing emotions. I think quite a bit that people can agonize over how someone has passed, even like including cancer, Kelly, where we see them struggle, mm-hmm. where we see them suffer with MS, where we see them suffer with cerebral palsy. There's oh so many ways to suffer, back pain or whatever. And we still agonize after they've crossed because we still think about that those moments. Yeah, and I know when I'm channeling a lot of people who've crossed, they will tell me which part of their body they lost first when they passed. And it's usually the part of the body that caused them the most pain as a human. Yeah. So if they said, I lost my feet, I got rid of my feet first, there's usually a reason for that. Yeah. Meaning they were, that they had pain in the feet yeah. or... They were free of it first. Yeah. That's very important for people to know. Mm-hmm. I lost my lungs. Yeah. I let go of my liver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like that. I let go. So if somebody's driving around or sipping on their tea or their coffee this morning and they think, oh, dad let go of his heart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was the first thing he let go of. Oh, my God, what a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Then, I, yeah, people saying legs. Yeah. They got, they got out of their legs. They word it in different ways, but essentially it is shedding the body. Well, I remember one person saying, I saw. First thing I did when I was crossing over was I could see again. And it was like, the, so they let go of the eyes that could not see. Mm-hmm. So and and that's a lovely, lovely message to hear. It's like you want to take a great big gulp of your coffee and just start to let that warm liquid sit in your belly this morning. Fucking right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and I think too, it, it's easier to conceptualize a relationship with someone who is whole. Yeah, and I think Kelly, when we go to funerals, we hear oh, relief. Yeah. Oh, and some people do feel relief. You see them at the wake. You see them relieved. Yes. You see them happy and, and joyful and talking and we laughing. We just went through this. And how many people came up to you and the family at your, your brother's funeral and said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, and most of the people's responses was, He's, he needed this. He, he deserved this in the kindest way. Mm-hmm. He's mountain biking. He's doing all the things that he would have loved to have done that he couldn't do here on earth. Mm-hmm. He got his legs back. Mm-hmm. 
got his muscles back his hands everything Mm -hmm. yeah it's part of the process of what happens when they cross over to heal Mm -hmm. and i think if we're illustrating it's what we want to know happens but it's hard to believe when you get the affirmation Mm -hmm. and that's where we're saying stop it Mm -hmm. that's lovely eh so our next story then that we're going to move on to now for a different point was a client that came in and um, when the person who came through arrived, he told me that he had been missing. He said that she came through because there was really no closure. That she was looking for her dad and that he had just disappeared when she was a child. So she didn't know. And this woman, she's like in her 60s. She comes in and says, I've never known where my dad is. He could be, he would be if he's alive, Karen. He would be around 82 right now. I know that part, but I don't know if he's alive or dead. So I said to her, well, I think he's dead. He's telling me he's crossed over. So does he look like this? And did he, and she knew enough information to say what he had looked like. I couldn't describe him to her at the end of life. Well, I mean, I could have, but it wouldn't have helped. She needed to hear what he looked like when she was a kid. She needed to have a description of him yep. when he was in his 30s. Because so if you've heard other, other podcasts, you've heard that their bodies get back into a closet. They come out age appropriate for us. Mm-hmm. They change their outfits and their head and their hair. This one was particularly important because he came out all dressed in an outfit like, um, what do you call it? A mechanics outfit. He had the one-piece jumpsuit on, and I think it was like um, a steel blue kind of a color, and he had a work boot on, and he had like a name, his name over a pocket with pens in the pocket, but stained all with ink. So it was significant for me to say he was very slim, he was very, very tall, he had like a mechanic's outfit, and she said, yeah, my dad was a mechanic. That is how I remember him. So not at the beach, not at a cottage, not in his shorts and t-shirt, not in a pair of jeans or a hunter's outfit, but dressed as a mechanic. That's her memory. And it's specific because it's one of the, it's one of the last things or the only things she really holds on to as pieces of information to give as affirmations to me. So it's important that he picks it as well to say, okay, this is the one that's going to work for my daughter. Yes, I did wear shorts and a t-shirt on the weekend. She's not recalling that. She's remembering that I was a mechanic. So he shows up with that on to confirm that, yes, in fact, he's passed away. So can she believe that now, given the fact that I can confirm those things? It is believable to her. And that's important to know and to link those things together for a client. It's specific information. When I pause for a second and deeply think about her and deeply think about the fact that he really wants to work hard to find the right memory for her, that he wants to say, this is the one that you're holding on to of all of the memories. I know which one. Mm -hmm. This is the one she needs and I need to give it to her. Karen, don't fuck it up. Don't, don't give her anything else. It's, I almost feel like it's a pause in the universe of don't throw anything else. Don't throw her duck. Don't throw her a rifle or any other pieces of information. Don't show her brown hair. Don't give her my blue eyes. Don't say anything. It's all, I feel like it's a f- frozen moment. 
in the universe. That's just my way to describe it. It's like everything holds still for me that I have to get that. It's like I want to hold my breath until she gets it, listens to it, processes it, and feels it. Well, yeah, you're, I, you're announcing a death. This isn't just you doing a regular job. This is also you doing the job of um, an emergency services person. Okay. You worded it better than me. I would have stumbled around trying to really define that, but you did it. Well, most people that come here know that their loved one has passed over. They've already accepted that, mm -hmm. or they've already had the facts, even if they haven't wrapped their head around it. Yeah. There's still a knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And if they went missing that many years ago, they might not know what they're holding their breath for. If, it, if they'll be more relieved to know they are alive and that there's some sort of opportunity for meeting or if they are more relieved that they've passed and there's been peace for a long period of time for that person. And that they don't have to go and find them. That they aren't presented with a choice. Some people want that choice and some people don't. It's more closure for them. It's more peace for them, as you're saying, to know they don't have the choice. It was done for them. So a big breath in, accept it, and now how do I want to process that? Do I grieve all over again, or am I okay and I did my grieving? I'm good. What a moment, eh? I like sitting with people in those moments. I, I, um, I take a lot of, um, how do you say that? Joy? Pause? There's so many things for me that mixed up in those emotions just to sit. Respect. I value time. Because I don't want to rush them through it. I'm not looking at my clock going, I got to pump out information for them. This is what they need. This is what they want. I want to sit there and let them define it. Mm -hmm. And let them lead. Yeah. Our last story for the morning. Well, our last story actually has two points to it. It's about forgiveness. You and I have so many podcast shows about forgiveness. But it was still one of the things that the guides wanted to come through today for people listening. That there are two types of forgiveness that we see in sessions. One, in the case of Margaret, where she's crossed over. And she's coming through to say, I give forgiveness. Please tell my children I forgive them. The humans want forgiveness. They book the appointment because they're the ones struggling with moving on because they need to hear it. And the other aspect of it, of course, is where the person in the room needs to come through and say, I'm looking for forgiveness from my parent. And these are the people that come through and typically don't say anything, I find. They just are going to be quiet in a session and they want to see if their parent is going to tell me do you get that too Kel? um not as often but i mean i've certainly experienced it mm -hmm. always find that interesting because it's like they sit there waiting they, they they'll get all of the other affirmations of what they look like or what the house looked like or how the funeral went, or they'll, they're waiting, they sit, they want all kinds of affirmations, but it's like they hold their breath to hear, does my mom forgive me? Can I, can I ask for it? Or do I have to offer it? 
it's very interesting. And sometimes it's both. There are different situations where some people have to say, I want to know if my mom and dad forgive me for something or my wife forgives me for the way I treated her. And I need to know if they forgive me too, because I did some shitty things too. Mm -hmm. So they're looking for two apologies without saying anything. And I, th I think about how complicated our relationships are even when we've passed. And how important it is for people to find a medium to move through those steps. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know for certain that there's been many instances where the people on the other side have said, I am responsible for this pattern. I am responsible for this emotional upheaval in their life. Um, they take ownership. And in that, they are trying to say, I'm sorry. Somewhere in that is something about forgiveness. And the human in the chair will say, oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. Tell mom it's fine. And the other person on the other side will say, no, you don't get to process forgiveness that fast. I'm saying that I'm sorry and you need to hear me today, but you need to take time to let it sink in, walk away from this and decide what you feel about this and how you want to proceed. You don't just have to forgive someone because they've said I'm sorry. That goes for dead and alive. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying that I've watched it in that pattern or in that, that uh, order where they're told to slow down. And well, to not brush it off. Mm -hmm. Not to dismiss it and think that they're the better person taking the high road. Sometimes when we think we're the better person or we're taking the high road or we, we think we got to let go. You know, we throw out all those cliches. Well, some, of us, some of us just think we have to forgive them because they've died. Right. Well, that would suck. Mm -hmm. Because then you're missing out on all of the beauty of healing. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the, the point. Right. Well, those are my stories this morning. And those are some of the points that the spirit world wanted to point out for people who are listening. What we go through, you and I, but also clients that come and some of the different things they get out of sessions, the reasons why they come. And sometimes what they get when they don't expect it in an appointment. They came to find out if they've passed over, if they're okay, but they end up with the apology. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend.